Welcome, church. Welcome. It's so good to be together today in the midst of our world of social distancing and shelter in place that we can come together and gather our hearts and focus on the Lord. And, and I'm so thankful for technology and the ability for us to gather across our, our country and across the world and to put our hope and our trust in Jesus. God is sovereign in the middle of all of this. And God is who we need. And so we come today to focus on Him. And I'm so thankful you're joining in. You know, I long for the day we're back together live in person at our Franklin campus in Nolensville and in Nashville and online as well. But until that day comes that we have technology and we can gather and worship as the body of Christ. And so I'm so glad that you're joining in uh, today as we worship Him. We're in our Easter series. And what an incredible series this is, right? All eyes on Jesus. And that's what we need desperately in this time. We focus on so many other things and it creates fear and anxiety in our hearts and our lives. And when we focus on our problems, they only get bigger. But when we focus on Christ, there is a joy and a peace and a hope that comes. And I pray that you'll see that today, that you'll experience that today. And so in our Easter series, we've been looking at some of the people who were there for that very first Easter. Uh, we started with Mary. And Mary saw Jesus come into the world as her son and yet leave as her savior. And she had this transformation in her life. She was a part of the early church. And I'm just reminded and so thankful for all the moms who are watching. And I know many of you moms, you know, uh, you've all of a sudden become homeschool teachers and, and all of a sudden things have changed in your life. But I want you to know this, God is using you. God is using you to impact your children and impact generations. And we are so thankful for you. And what a perspective you have to see God working in your family and working around the world. And then the second week we saw Judas. Judas, the most disappointing guy in all of scripture. So close, was one of the 12 disciples. And yet his heart was so far from Jesus, you know. Money became his God. And he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And what a reminder for us that we can be around church, we can be around other believers, but have we really committed our lives to Christ? That Jesus isn't just a great teacher, but he is our Lord. And then we saw last week, Thomas. He's called Doubting Thomas, but he was a realist. And I love this guy, Thomas. And what we saw is that we can bring our doubts, we can bring our questions to God and he can handle those. And when we pray and we say, God, here's what's going on in my heart. And I wanna be real. God meets us in that moment and he changes us forever. And Thomas had this incredible front row seat to see God work in his heart and to make this exclamation, my Lord and my God. Have you made that exclamation in your life and in your heart? Oh, there's power that comes when we see Jesus for who he is. We put our eyes on Jesus. And now today, today we're looking at a guy named Peter. Oh, wow. I love this guy, Peter. I know many of us can relate to him. He was one of the 12 disciples, but he was uh, just passionate about following God. But he also made mistakes. He made mess ups. And, and we're all there in our lives and in our faith journey. And so I believe God has a word for us as we study his word together today, as we look at Peter, but really as we set our eyes on Jesus. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you open with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. Uh, maybe you're watching today and you've got a, another mobile device you can access at version. Maybe you're gathered in your living room with your family and everybody has a Bible and they can open up there together. Uh, wherever you are, if you have a chance to look at God's Word or we're going to put God's Word on the screen, you can follow along with what God wants to say to us 
today. So let me give you a little background because this guy, Peter, his original name really wasn't Peter. His original name was Simon. Simon. And Simon was a fisherman. He was a business guy. He lived up around the Sea of Galilee. He fished there on the Sea of Galilee, which is kind of a big lake. It's about, you know, a long ways up kind of from Jerusalem down here in the south. But, but there was Peter, Simon, and he's kind of living his life, doing his fishing business. Things are good. He was also Jewish. So he was expecting the Messiah. He, he was in his heart longing for that day that the Messiah would come. And one day his brother Andrew comes and he says, Simon, Simon, we found him. We found the Messiah. And, and Simon's like, really? And, and Andrew's like, yeah, you've got to come meet him. And so he takes Simon to meet Jesus. Aren't you thankful for whoever introduced you to Jesus? <laughs> Aren't you thankful for whoever, you know, said, hey, you need to meet Jesus, whether it was your parents or whether it was your grandparents or whether it was a friend who invited you to church, but somebody introduced you to Jesus. Man, send them a text or an email and just say thank you. And so Andrew takes Simon, they go meet Jesus. And as soon as Jesus meets Simon, he's talking to him for a minute and he says, hey, listen, your name's no longer gonna be Simon, it's gonna be Peter. Peter means rock. You are gonna be a rock. I believe in you, Peter. I see potential in you, Peter. And Peter was anything but a rock, man. This guy was unstable. But Jesus saw something in him. He saw potential to impact lives for the glory of God. And Jesus sees something in us. So Peter begins to follow Andrew. There's 12 of them. They're going around and they're with Jesus for three years. They leave their fishing business and are following him. And there comes this time, right, in Matthew chapter 14, where, where Jesus is teaching and there's a huge crowd of people and they're all hungry. And so Jesus says, well, hey, let's give them something to eat, right? And, and he feeds this crowd of 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And it says 5,000 men, right? If you look at verse 21, 5,000 men. There was women and children there too. So biblical scholars estimate anywhere between 15 and 20,000 people that were fed that day. It's an incredible miracle. Well, notice this, go to verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the winds were against it. So Jesus gets them in a boat. They go out, they're on the Sea of Galilee. And if you kind of remember some of the pictures, the images of the Sea of Galilee, there's huge mountains around, the Golan Heights, and a storm can come up quickly on this lake. And the disciples are out there in a boat. And I believe this is one of those times that, that Peter, man, it was a defining moment for him. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Notice that, they cried out in fear. You know, every one of the people that we've seen so far, there's been fear. There's been fear. Mary, she was afraid when the angel appeared to her. Greetings, you were highly favored. And she was terrified, right? The disciples we saw last week were, were, were afraid. They were locked in the room of fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus walks into the room. And maybe you're today, there's fear. Maybe you have fear in your heart, your soul. Maybe there's fear in your home and you don't want to go outside. There's, there's fear. But look at this. I don't know if you underline your Bible. Verse 27 is amazing. It says, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't 
be afraid. Man, when Jesus walks in, everything changes. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Maybe you don't need to hear anything else today. Just that. God is with you. Jesus is for you. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter's like, I'd rather be with you, Jesus, than in this boat right now. I'd rather be with you. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, now can you see the wind? No, right? You can see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind. What does it mean when he saw the wind? It means he took his eyes off Jesus. (laughs) That's what it means, right? He was looking at Jesus. He was walking on the water. He was headed that way. And he takes his eyes off Jesus. And he sees his circumstances. And he's like, I'm not supposed to be walking on water, right? There's wind. It's a storm. And he saw the wind and he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, I love that. I got to tell you guys, right? He didn't try to swim back to the boat. He didn't try to save himself. He was going down. He just immediately calls out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. In our lives, many times we try to fix our problems first before we call out to the Lord. And what if we just say, Lord, save me. Lord, I need you. And immediately, I love that word right there, immediately. You can underline that. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You're doing so good. Why why did you doubt? Why did you take your eyes off of me? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Truly this is the son of God. Even the wind and the waves obey him and the power of Jesus. See, I think this was a defining moment for Peter. A defining moment to see the grace of God, to see that God was calling him forward and following him and trusting him. If you keep going, you turn over to Matthew chapter 16 and, and the disciples, Peter's growing his faith and the disciples are on this journey and they come to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi, we've had the chance to be in Israel a few times. We've gone to this place and maybe one day God will call you to go with our church, you know, on this biblical study tour. But, but it's amazing. It's this huge kind of cliff and there's little niches right there inside the cliff where they would put idols. And people would come from all over and they would worship different gods there. And Jesus walks up with his disciples and he goes, hey guys, who do, who do men say that I am? You know, against this backdrop of all these pagan gods, who, who do men say that I am? And they started going, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah the prophet. I mean, it's amazing the things that God's doing through you, right? And, and he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? That's a question every one of us is going to have to answer at some point. What do we believe about Jesus? Who is Jesus? And here's one of those defining moments for Peter. He he stands up and he goes, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, you are right, Peter. You are right. And upon this rock, that confession of your faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hey, that is the confession of every person who's a part of the church. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's the church. And Peter's the one that made that confession. Man, a defining 
moment for him. And we're seeing Peter, man, it's just his faith is growing stronger, his passion for the Lord. And then we get to Holy Week. After three years of following Jesus, right, they begin to head to Jerusalem. Jesus' time has come. He knows, I'm going to pay the price for people's sins. I'm going to make a way for people to connect with God. All people, all people matter to God. He even tells the disciples, guys, listen, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'll be killed. But on the third day, I'll rise again. On the third day, I will rise again. And later on, Peter's like, hey, Jesus, just want you to know I'm there for you, right? Even if all these other guys scatter off, I'm there. I'm there. I'm going with you. I'm going to die with you. And Jesus kind of shakes his head and goes, Peter, listen, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no way, no way, uh-uh. And Jesus is like, yeah, it's gonna happen. Well, turn with me over to Luke. Luke, I want you to see this in Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, pick up at verse 54. You may remember that Judas brings this group and after the Lord's Supper, the Passover meal, they, they go out to Gethsemane and Judas comes with this group of Roman soldiers and Jewish leaders to arrest Jesus. He betrays Jesus with a kiss. They say, where is Jesus? He says, I am he. And the whole group falls down. We saw that in the gospel of John and just the power of Jesus that, that they didn't arrest Jesus and take him and nail him to the cross. Jesus willingly gave his life for us. They seize him. He's arrested. He's taken for this mock trial. And you pick up at verse 54, it says, Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. So you can imagine the fear. You can imagine the concern. It's late at night. It's dark. There's Peter trying to get close, but trying to stay in the shadows. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this was the man that was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them. Man, I am not, exclamation point, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow is with him, for he's a Galilean. Remember, he's up that northern region, you know. He's a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Wow. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Now think about this. There's an archaeological discovery that's happened in the past several years. They, they believe they found Caiaphas' house. The last time we were in Israel, we went there. And you can see the courtyard probably where Peter was. And there's a walkway up top that led from the high priest's house that would go to the temple. And, and probably Jesus was on that walkway at the same time that Peter denies Jesus. Jesus with his hands bound and Roman soldiers around him. And Peter denies him for the third time. And then Jesus looks straight at him and their eyes lock. In that moment, in that moment, and Peter, man, just gripped. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Oh, he was 
broken. Why did I do this? I love Jesus. And the hurt and the pain. And you can imagine what a horrific time that that was watching from a distance as Jesus was crucified and laid in the tomb. And for Peter, he thinks it's all over. The last thing I did was blow it. The last thing I did was deny Jesus. But with Jesus, it's never the end of the story. It's never the end of the story. Look over at Mark, Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 16. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Shabbat, that Saturday, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, this Sunday, this first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? You may remember that the Romans put a huge stone in front of the tomb and they they even put the Roman seal on it that says, if you move this stone, you will die. And the Romans were good at killing people. They had Roman soldiers stationed there. So the women are going, wait a minute, how are we going to get the stone rolled away to be able to anoint Jesus' body? But when they looked up, I love that. When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. There's this angel there. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen, exclamation point. I think that angel had been practicing that line for a long time. And he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now look at verse seven. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. Isn't that awesome? Look at that. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Now, Peter was one of the disciples. Why did he add, and Peter? Because he knew the hurt and the pain Peter was going through. He knew he desperately needed this news. Go tell his disciples, and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. Yes, I mean, what great news. Peter, there is hope. Peter, Jesus is alive. You may know that evening, right? That all the disciples were gathered in the room and Jesus walks in and he meets them. And Peter's heart just skips a beat. He has to, he, he's alive. But I imagine for Peter, his, it kind of got harder, right? He's disappointed in himself and the hurt and the pain. And he knows that Jesus saw him. He knows the, the sin in his own life. And he goes back up to Galilee. He goes back up to his fishing business and he goes back and he starts fishing again, back to his old way of life. And you turn over to John 21, one of my favorite passages in the scriptures. And there they are, the disciples are back in Galilee. They're they're fishing. They don't know what else to do. And it's early in the morning and they haven't caught anything. They've been fishing all night. And this guy on the beach yells out to him, hey guys, have you caught anything? They're like, thanks a lot, man. You know, no, no. Haven't caught anything. And he says, well, throw your nets on the other side. I'm sure they're looking at each other like, really? We've been out here all night. This guy, what is he thinking? And it's like, well, whatever. We'll do it. They throw their nets on the other side. And there's so many fish. They can't even pull them all in the boat. There's so many fish. And John, the other disciple that Jesus loved, right? He looks at Peter. He's like, it's the Lord. 
is the Lord. And I love Peter right here. Peter, it says he just kind of takes off his tunic and he jumps into the water and he just starts swimming, right? He wraps the robe around him and he's just swimming and he's swimming and he's swimming and he gets to the beach. And Jesus is there with a fire kindled. Remember that fire in the courtyard? There's a fire now on the beach. He comes up on the beach, the boat's pulling in. Jesus says, hey, grab some of the fish. Let's make some breakfast. And they, they get some of the fish and they're, they're making breakfast. And now look at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I don't think he was saying, do you love me more than these disciples? I think he's saying, do you love me more than this fishing nets and these boats and these things that are right here representing your old life? Do you, do you love me more than these? Oh, yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, Jesus again said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The word in the Greek is agape, agapeo. It's, it's this unconditional sacrificing kind of love. It, it's loving God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, with everything in you. And he answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he uses a different Greek word here. He uses phileo, a brotherly love. I, I want to be there. I want to love you with all my heart. And I'm working at it, but, but here's where I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Do you love me? That brotherly love with everything? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, right? You're a sovereign. You know my heart. I love that. The omniscience of God, the omnipresence that he is always with us. He's omnipotent over all that. He knows our heart. He knows our thoughts. And he knows what we're thinking. And he says, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter, I want you to love me with everything you have. You know, when we love somebody, we're willing to sacrifice. When we love somebody, we're going to go to whatever links. We're going to protect them. We're going to live our lives for them. And Jesus is going, will you forsake all this and follow me? Trust me. Do you love me? Do you love me? Question for all of us, do we truly love him? Now, why did Jesus ask Peter three times? Because Peter denied him three times. He meets us in those darkest times. He meets us in those times that we mess up. And he reinstated Peter right here. And this just put that fire, that energy that Peter knew. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm redeemed. I'm called by God. And God has a plan and a purpose for me. And God uses Peter in an incredible way. And God wants to use us. Hey, guys, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. Because I think there's some... Powerful things that we can learn from Peter. So if you're taking notes, here we go. Number one is this. Jesus sees the potential in you. Jesus sees the potential in you. And he, Andrew, brought him Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, which means rock. He saw the potential immediately. You think about that. Jesus sees potential in you. God created you. God has a plan or a purpose for your life. God wants to do great things through you. And sometimes we let the world define us. We let what other people say about us define us and how we perceive ourselves. What if we could see ourselves the way God sees us? 
What if we could have that kind of self-image and that kind of self-worth that God loves me? (laughs) Through the resurrection, Jesus changes our name to redeemed. Our past no longer defines us. Our sin no longer defines us. We are redeemed and restored. We are children of God. The King of kings and Lord of lords loves us. Hey, get that today. Jesus has a great plan for your life. Jesus has a great plan for your life. We don't have to live our lives in fear. We don't have to live our lives in worry. We can live our lives with boldness and courage because God is with us and God is for us. Maybe today you just need to hear that. Take courage, it is I, Jesus said. Do not be afraid. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. Your life is in my hands and I promise to take care of you. I will bring your life to fruition, the plans that I have for you. You trust me. Look at this, number two. Jesus teaches his disciples faith over fear. Jesus teaches his disciples faith over fear. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Notice Jesus allows us to go through storms. It was Jesus who who told him to get into the boat. You know, I believe all this that's happening right now in our world today, it hasn't caught God by surprise. We are going through this tough time, this difficult time, and yet it's in this time, I believe God's gonna work. I believe God wants to do something big in our lives. A lot of times when we go through challenges, we just wanna get through it, right? We just want it to be over. But what if we said, God, what are you trying to teach me right now? God, what do you want me to learn through all of this? God, how can you use me in the middle of this storm? When he put his eyes on Jesus, Peter walked on water. When he put his eyes on Jesus, there was boldness and there was faith. Where are our eyes? Where are our eyes? We put our eyes on a lot of the news, don't we? Today, I mean, we're just inundated with it. It, And it creates this more and more anxiety. And we wanna be aware of what's going on. We wanna be able to pray about the things that are happening in our world. But we also wanna put our eyes on Jesus. We also wanna know that our God is with us and our God is greater. Jesus calls you to step out of the boat. Jesus calls us to take a step of faith, to be obedient. And it's easy for us to kind of stay in the boat with what's comfortable. Uh, But man, when we step out, when we step out, hey, what is the next step of faith that Jesus is calling you to take? Never stop growing. Never stop learning. Maybe that next step for you is, is spending time with the Lord. We've got time right now, right? Am I starting my day with putting my eyes on Jesus? Am I starting my day with this 40-day devotional? Am I, am I spending time with Him? Hey, maybe it's a family devotional. Maybe, maybe it's something where God's calling me to do something for a neighbor or take a meal. Or, or, or maybe I'm supposed to be generous. But there's a next step of faith for all of us. You know, as a family right now, we, we're trying to challenge and encourage our kids. And so we've asked our, our kids, we said, hey, everybody pick a a Bible verse that, that kind of defines this time for you. And, and pick a verse that's gonna be our coronavirus verse that we're gonna hold on to. And every one of our kids, they've picked a verse, Lisa and I have picked a verse and, and we are memorizing these verses together. And it's been awesome to watch our kids. One of our, our kids picked out Psalm 46, one through two. And, and I just love that. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. 
And, and though the mountains, you know, quake and give way and, and are thrown in the ocean, man, God is with us. Or Psalm, you know, we've seen this, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And somebody else picked out, you know, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Another one picked Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. But to help our kids memorize Scripture during this time, what's the next step God's calling you to take? Hey, Jesus calls us to be faithful, not perfect. Jesus calls us to be faithful, not perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us are. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter sinned against Jesus. A lot of times we look at people in the Bible and we think these guys were perfect, right? They didn't have any struggles. They were ordinary people like you and me. They sinned, they messed up. Peter denied Jesus. We too denied Jesus. We too. Sometimes it's blatant, right? Somebody at work says, so are you one of those Christians? You know, and you're like, oh, change the subject here. I don't know if I should talk about my faith at work, right? You know, or, or it comes up at a family discussion or, or people start to ask, are you really involved in church? And, and what if we get to that point where we're just gonna be bold? Yes, I'm a follower of Christ. Yes, it is God and God alone. I mean, look at this time, it is God. But there's times we also deny his power to work in us. Oh, God can't forgive me. God can't redeem me. God doesn't want to use me. And what if we just said, you know what? I'm going to be a person who says, God, you're enough for me. God, you have a plan or purpose for me. Because of Easter, Peter was forgiven. And so are we. So are we. We are forgiven and redeemed. My wife, Lisa, when she was 10 years old, she grew up in a small country church in Kevill, Kentucky. And when she was 10 years old, she was at this church and, and they had an altar call, right? Where you come down front and, you know, commit your life to Christ in front of the whole church. And, and she was praying that day and, and she wanted to go forward. And she goes, you know, but, but God, I, I don't want to be the first one. And, and God, if somebody else comes forward this day, then, then I'll go. If somebody else. And I mean, nobody ever came forward, you know, in a smaller church like that. But that day, somebody else came forward. She was like, uh... Okay, but God, if somebody else comes forward, right, then I'm gonna go. And somebody else came forward. And she said, okay, 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 this is what a coincidence, right? If somebody else comes forward and a third person came forward, gave their lives to Christ, and there was a lady who was sitting in the choir and she came down, she saw Lisa with tears in her eyes. She put her arm around her and Lisa walked forward. And Lisa said, at that moment, I just said to the Lord, God, I'm never gonna be the last one again. God, whatever you call me to do, I'm never gonna be the last one again. That lady told her that she woke up at two in the morning and started praying for their church and praying that revival would happen. And God was moving that day. And later on, Elisa as a young adult, somebody came up to her and said, hey, we'd love for you to go with us on this mission trip to Antigua. And, and we've got this team going. And Lisa immediately said, she goes, probably not this year, but maybe next year I'll go. And right then she caught herself. And she goes, nope. I'm never gonna be the last one again. I'm gonna go with you. I wanna go, where do I sign up? I wanna go forward. 
That's the thing that God wants to do in us. You know, when God calls to plant the church, it was Lisa who said, hey, if God's calling us, we're going. And I'm the one that's like, are you sure, God? You know, and Father, are you, are, am I hearing you? And Lisa's like, let's go. There's this call to faith. There's this call to step out and follow him. Hey, look at this. Jesus comes to you. Don't miss this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than your old way of life, do you love me? Jesus met Peter and Jesus meets you. He wants to meet you. Mary, right here today, he wants to meet you. Jesus meets us in our darkest time. For Peter, he was broken. He thought, God can't use me. I denied Jesus. He saw it. He was, I've messed up. Jesus met him in his darkest time, in his hardest moment. And Jesus makes all things right. Isn't that awesome about Jesus? He redeems us. He makes all things right, all things new. I love that about him. Now, guys, listen, it's not a cheap grace. Like Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about, it's not a cheap grace. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. The Apostle Paul says, we don't go on sinning so that grace may abound. No, we take sin seriously, but we also take grace seriously. And where there is sin, there is also grace. And we don't have to live in guilt. We can live in the grace of God because Jesus makes all things right in your life. Hey, Jesus compels us to go forward in faith. Jesus compels us to go forward in faith. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Peter, I've got a mission for you. I've got a purpose for you. Jesus had a calling for Peter and Jesus has a calling for you. He has a calling on your life. We are called to feed his lambs. Now notice this, right? That's your family, your community, and the next generation. If you're a parent watching this, hey, this is our time to feed our kids, to, to encourage them, to help them grow in their faith. Not just to help them binge watch Netflix, right? I mean, it's fine to watch a show now and then, but what are we teaching them? How are we growing them? If you're a boss at work, how are you leading your people through this time? How are you pointing them to faith? How are you pointing them to God? In your neighborhood, how are we impacting people? In our church family, if you're a small group leader, how are you following up with people that God's put under your care? They're His sheep that God has entrusted to us. How are we feeding them? Jesus wants you to reach your full potential. Guys, God's not finished with any of us. And guys, God is compelling us to go forward in Him. Jesus will use you to impact others with his love and his grace. You know, he did Peter. Peter goes on and he becomes a leader in the early church. When he's reinstated on that beach there in John 21, wow. I mean, he is so filled with faith. And just a couple weeks later, he'll stand up at Pentecost and he'll tell people about Jesus there in Jerusalem where he cowered in fear before. Now he's a man of faith. In Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people accept Christ after Peter starts talking about Jesus and they become a part of the early church. Peter becomes a leader in the early church. Upon this rock, right, the confession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus said, I will build my church and all these people confessing Christ. God wants to use you, church. God wants to use men and women, ordinary men and women who will commit their lives to follow him. You know, I was reading the article the other day about all these Italian doctors who are giving their lives to Christ. And they said, we've been 
watching people who are believers and we've been seeing their faith, even in the midst of the struggle. And these doctors saying, we realize that we're powerless. We realize that there is a God. We realize that He is on the throne and people committing their lives right now. I believe people are hungry for the Lord. People are looking for hope and they're looking for help. And you and I to be the hands and feet of Christ. To send an email to our family, our friends, a text, a word of encouragement, to reach out to the people around us in our neighborhood and to say, I want you to know Jesus. Where are you today in your faith journey? See, I believe today could be a defining moment for you. And maybe it's a defining moment right where you are today. You just want to get on your knees and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I'm committing my life to follow you. Maybe for you today, you go, man, I've been living in fear, but today I want to live in faith. I want this to be a defining moment for me as I set my eyes on Jesus. Maybe today you just want to say, Jesus, I want to reach my full potential. You have a plan and a purpose for me. It's bigger than my old life. It's bigger than my own plans. I want to know you. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God is here. And Jesus is walking into your living room or into your office or into your car, wherever you are. He is wanting to meet with you right here, right now. So I want to invite you into a time of prayer. I want to just invite you to bow your head and close your eyes wherever you are. And would you just open your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I need you. I need help. I need hope. So meet me in this moment. Maybe you want to pray and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you all of my days. Maybe right now you just want to say, Jesus, I've been living in fear and today I want to live in faith. You're not finished with me. God, how can you use me and my family? How can you use me and my roommates? How can you use me in my sphere of influence? Maybe today you just hear Jesus saying, do you love me? Do you agape on me? Do you love me with everything in you? So Father God, here we are, your disciples, Father. We're gathered, God, both in our city, in our country, and around the world, Father, to focus on you. And God, we need you. So meet us right here. Meet us in this time. Meet us in this moment. And transform our lives. God, I believe the rest of our lives can be the best of our lives as we follow you. So Jesus, we dedicate our lives to you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.